Welcome back to Reading for a Change, a podcast from Moody Publishers where we take an inside look at the books transforming our lives and shaping the world. Uh, I am Drew Dick. I am host of the podcast. I'm an author and editor, um, and I'm really excited about the topic we're tackling today. It's very relevant for me personally and my family. I think the biggest change for um, my family during this whole pandemic uh, by far has been transitioning to homeschooling. (laughs) We have three kids, two that are uh, school age. um, And so they're currently home with us every day, like a lot of people um, uh, are dealing with right now. So a lot of parents have been suddenly thrust into this role of being a teacher. Uh, And in our case, we were actually considering uh, doing homeschooling anyway. So it was kind of a cool opportunity, but it's hard. (laughs) And today we have a guest who's going to help us tackle the task of homeschooling with confidence. Jamie Erickson is the founder of The Unlikely Homeschool and a popular education blogger. She's also the author of Homeschool Bravely. And I got to get this subtitle right because it's just great. The subtitle of Homeschool Bravely is Squash Doubt, Trust God, and Teach Your Child with Confidence. She's also a mother of five children, so she's got a lot going on. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, um, like I mentioned, a lot of us, like millions of us, have suddenly been thrust into homeschooling during this pandemic. Uh, And for those of us who are already maybe considering homeschooling, is this a good trial run to evaluate whether this is really something that we should do long term? In some ways it is because we're getting you're getting a chance to test the waters of you know being around your kids 24/7 and being their primary voice in the day but in other ways it's it's kind of um a backdoor entry to homeschooling that doesn't always paint the most accurate picture because sure. for the most part you know kids who are have come home from a public school setting are being assigned assignments from their teacher, whether that, you know, is a paper packet or something online through a Google Hangout or what have you. And and neither one of those avenues really, um, neither one of those really do justice to what homeschooling can be. It's like the first step into homeschooling, but homeschooling is so much more broader than that and so much more individualistic. So I hate to say that it's really a great indoor to homeschooling, but at least you're getting an idea of what it looks like to to actually be the primary voice of education in your kid's life. So it's kind of a yes and no answer, I guess. That makes sense. No, totally. I, I get that because, yeah, you're getting that experience of having them home during the day, being with them uh, full time. Uh, but it's also this weird crisis moment where maybe you, you weren't prepared for this. It was just, you know, you, you didn't get to, to do a lot of um, uh, forethought about how you were going to approach this and, and get the right resources that you need. So it is a bit of a crisis. Uh, but yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, so for us, the experience has been incredible. It really has, but it's also been incredibly challenging. <laughs> and, and I should say mm. um, uh, that my wife is doing 95% of the homeschooling, okay? Uh, you know, I'll come in once in a while to answer a question or two. Um, and, and we're fortunate in the sense that at this point, we 
Uh, she was uh, not working outside the home when this whole thing hit. And so she was available to do that. Uh, and in fact, when I told her I was going to be interviewing you, she said, I should be doing that interview. <laughs> and she's right. Um, but the biggest challenge for us, for her, uh, hasn't been so much in teaching the material. It's been uh, in the behavior department. <laughs> Just yesterday, I heard her screaming uh, from the kitchen going, put your pants back on. <laughs> so, you know, you're dealing with kind of these behavior problems. And here's yeah. the weird thing. I know for a fact, my children would not behave like that at school. So my question for you is what's going on? <laughs> what can we do about it? Yeah, well, I, there are so many answers there. So I'm going to just tackle each little fire. First, I want to say, you know, you parents who have been thrown <laughs> into the deep end, you are the true heroes of this story because those of us who have been doing it for any longevity, we had a longer runway to get used to the idea. And especially those of us who started out at the beginning, it's not like I had five kids to suddenly homeschool at once. I ramped up with one child at a time and kind of got my feet in the shallow end before I had to take a deep dive in, into the bigger things. And you guys just haven't gotten that um, privilege you've kind of just been chucked into all of this. So, you know, I think part of the struggle that as I'm ch chatting with friends who, who have had their kids come home for the first time, you know, obviously behavior like your, your, your wife is indicating is a struggle because home doesn't look like a school. It's not designed to mm -hmm. look like a school. And so different habits have to be formed for learning in a home environment. And you're right. Your kids wouldn't be walking around without any pants on in a traditional school. But that doesn't mean Let's it's hope. necessarily wrong at home, you know, because they're going to act like this is home as they should. So I mm -hmm. think that's one of the things that as you're looking at homeschooling and weighing the option as to whether this is a right thing for you to continue or not, you have to understand that home school is going to look like home. And that's okay. You just have to form some different habits. You know, we're not tackling at home, you know, walking in a line going down the hallway, you know, taking 15 minutes to go to the bathroom because now we have this large group of kids that has to do it all at once. There's certain things that are right and good over there when you're sort of trying to educate the masses. But the, it's just kind of a square peg in a round hole situation here. So it's okay that it's not as structured. Obviously, there has to be some parameters in the day. You're, you're not going to want to be tackling controlled chaos all day long. But you do have to kind of be willing to set aside the preconceived notions of what we're all sort of conditioned to believe school has to look like because it's not going to look like that. The other thing that I mostly hear from moms right now um, who are tackling homeschooling for the first time is, is this idea that, you know, I'm not a teacher and now I'm suddenly thrust into this teacher role. This was confusing to me. You know, algebra was confusing to me the first time I did it. And now I'm suddenly tasked <laughs> with the job of teaching all of these things. And it's so hard. But what we have to understand is this kind of homeschooling looks a whole lot more like helping your kids with homework, which is not mm. really what homeschooling is. 
Um, when your kids bring home homework, it's at the end of the day when you're already frazzled, which is very similar to how we all feel right now. We're all in this pandemic together. We all are feeling the weight and the stress of it. So it's not an ideal condition. And then, you know, usually when they come to you at the end of the school day and need help with homework, it's because they can't figure it out on their own. They're frustrated. Most of the time they're on the verge of tears, which puts you on the verge of tears. It's just kind of a clash of the titans. And that's not necessarily what homeschooling is all about, because as I'm homeschooling my kids, I'm learning the material right along with them. I'm um, sitting down with them. We're learning it together. And and it's not just thrust on me. This, this algebra problem isn't just popping into my lap and I'm suddenly supposed to change gears really quickly and figure it out. I've sat with them and have taught them algebra, learning it right along with them. And so then when they have a question, it's not so frustrating. Do you, do you kind of see the difference? This, yes. this um, schooling at home, this suddenly Absolutely. schooling is more akin to doing homework with your kids than it is, you know, what the longevity of homeschooling really looks like. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think that that's what a lot of us parents need to hear right now (laughs) is that, you know, even if you um, decide to do homeschooling long term, it's not going to look like it does in this kind of weird interim that we're in. And also, it's so freeing to hear you say that, you know, homeschooling should look like a home. It's okay, right? <laughs> if they're not behaving exactly as they might in a school context. I think a big part of this issue of homeschooling, and you've addressed this so well in your book, is the judgment a lot of people feel if they make the decision to homeschool. Uh, you tell a very relatable story early in the book about how one of your children, uh, you were at, at the doctor's with one of your children. I think she was in seventh grade. And um, the doctor said it was time to get your daughter into real school. <laughs> I'm just wondering, can you mm-hmm. tell that story for our listeners? Because I think it, it captures that intimidation that many people who are considering homeschooling or are homeschooling feel when it comes to this topic. Right. Well, anytime you sort of choose the different path, the door number three, you are going to get a uh, a level of raised eyebrows because it's just not familiar to people. They don't understand what they haven't lived themselves. And so anytime you sort of try to color outside the lines of social society, um, you're you're going to get a, a level, an expected level of of questions and raised eyebrows. So I, in this particular situation, and this was just one of several different instances in my homeschooling career where I've had to, you know, just really sturdy up my conviction to homeschool and know that this was what God called us to do. It's not perfect and right for everyone, but it's, you know, what God called me to. So I was sitting in the doctor's office. My, my daughter was 12. So she was at that age where you know, it was a little uncomfortable to go to her male pediatrician that we'd known and loved for years because her body was changing and she had um, questions that were were intimate questions. So I needed to get her into a female doctor for her annual checkup. And I didn't have a female doctor in my back pocket. So I sort of eeny, meeny, miny mowed through the phone book and came upon one. And as is the case, anytime you have to sit down to a new new being a new patient, you have to fill out patient forms. And there was this one particular question on the form about her education. Was she, you know, uh, in the public school, a private school or other? And of course, I checked the box other because we've always homeschooled. And that was a red flag to her. 
And hmm. so as we're sitting there in the exam room, she says, you know, homeschooling was fine for the early years, but she's at an age where she needs to start socializing and becoming more of her own individual person. And besides that, colleges don't accept homeschoolers anyway. So you're crippling her. <laughs> and that is wow. a very awkward position for a mother to be in when her child who's homeschooling is sitting right next to her. And that put my daughter in a very awkward position state and and we both wanted to crawl under the linoleum and hide but but I really count that confrontation as a blessing in my life because it really did force me to know that I know that this is what God has for us I really had to mm-hmm. self-examine and take stock of okay what was it about homeschooling that made me want to do it who is the one who called me to it and if he called me he will equip me. And and the story is not done with my daughter. He has promised to finish the good work he has started in her. And he's going to do that with or without me. And actually, with or without homeschooling. So it, even though that was a very awkward, tenseful appointment, um, I count it as a blessing because now I know homeschooling is the path for us. Yes, no, that's great, and it and it is tough to to kind of fend off that judgment uh, and stick to your convictions. I know, you know, we had um, with my oldest son when he was in kindergarten, we were just a little worried about him with the full day kindergarten. You know, when I was a kid, it was a half day, and now it's a full mm-hmm. day. Um, and so we wanted to take him out at noon, just at the start, and and do a little bit of homeschooling in the afternoon instead. And I'll tell you what, the, <laughs> the pressure and disapproval of of the teachers that we talked to were were pretty crazy. You know, at one point, the teacher's like, well, he's going to miss the writing class. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm a professional writer and editor. I think I can handle it, <laughs> which was probably an immature response. But I was getting kind of irritated because they were acting like he was going to end up homeless someday or something because he missed half a day <laughs> of, of school during kindergarten. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, I, I get what you're talking about with that, that intimidation that can come at you. As a former teacher myself, you know, I myself have, have come under the weight of criticism for sort of crossing the party line and, and forfeiting the opportunity mm. that my kids had to go to school, the same school that I taught at. But, you know, as with all things, there will always be naysayers standing on the sidelines um, shouting at you while you're down in the trenches doing the work because that's just the way the world goes. You know, the world doesn't understand deep soul work. Um, and I'm not saying that homeschooling is the only place for deep soul work, but in in the lives of me and my kids, I knew that this was what God called us to do. And so I knew that there would be a, an element of misunderstanding and and maybe even some hurt feelings as I chose this path and some of my friends just could not understand. Some of my colleagues just could not understand. But in the end, I had to recognize I'm going to answer to God for the conviction he's placed in my life. And I can just walk firmly and boldly in this conviction and know that it's not for everybody. And I don't have to judge those who are not homeschooling, just as I would hope they wouldn't judge me for choosing this way. Um, But the devil is always going to use negative voices to try to veer you off course from the plan that God has for you. And you just have to keep your eyes on the goal and trust that God will take care of your reputation. 
Amen. And speaking of that, what are some of those typical lies that parents who homeschool are tempted to believe? And how does the Lord encourage us to respond to those lies? I think the number one lie is that I'm unqualified. You know, if I don't have a teaching certificate, if I don't have a bunch of letters behind my name, if, like me, if you really struggle with a particular subject, you know, I've always had a lifelong animosity with math. We just don't get along. (laughs) And so early on in my homeschooling career, I could have easily have let that allergy to algebra prevent me from homeschooling because someday, obviously, my kids would have to learn algebra. And how was I going to teach them that? So I think the biggest lie is just I'm unqualified. And and I always look to Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And I can tell you, I have seen God and his immeasurably more come through in my homeschooling in so many ways. And so in in part, homeschooling has really been a part of my own personal sanctification. When I have nothing else to give, when I'm at the end of my expertise, when I'm at my very limit of algebra, and I have to just trust that God will provide, and he does. And over and over again, he has shown his faithfulness to me and my homeschool. And and so if you are a, a mom or dad struggling with this idea of I'm unqualified, first, I'd say just practically, if you've gotten all the way through 12th grade, you can certainly teach kindergarten. You can certainly teach first grade. And God's not expecting you to commit to homeschooling until the end of time. He just wants perhaps for you to commit to it right now. So trust this right now moment. Trust that you can do pretty well at kindergarten. Um, And then fully believing that he'll provide when the need arises. And, And I can tell you, he will every time. At least he's been faithful in my life, so I can only assume he'll be faithful in yours. That's great. And we know from his word that he will be faithful in all of our lives. Um, Jamie, last question for you about this topic. Um, What for you and your family has been the most important kind of irreplaceable part of homeschooling? It's shared moments. Moments Hmm. that we would miss out on if we were all sort of divided into separate zones of our life, if if they had to be over there in that classroom and I was over here in this classroom or that workspace, there are so many shared moments and memories. And, and actually, I'd go a little bit further and say um, faith-filled moments. I'm able to filter every single moment of our lives through a grid of scripture. And it doesn't have to be a preachy thing. We don't have to hear a sermon about it. I'm just able to use the everyday moments that we come upon and point my kids to Jesus and even use some of those really hard parts about homeschooling, like sibling rivalry, rivalry, because let's face it, if we're all crammed in here together, you know, we're going to experience a higher level of those times than the average family because we're always together. And I'm sure if you're suddenly schooling, you can attest to that fact. But then I can use those moments and not just, you know, walk away from them or shirk them or pass them off to someone else. I can use that time to help my kids learn what it looks like to repent and to restore a relationship and to redeem that time. All of those shared moments can add up for kingdom work. 
Hmm. That's great. I, the other day I'm sitting in my office here and I hear Grace, my wife, uh, teaching the kids and she was teaching them math for a while and some science. And then she opened up the Bible and read them a, a proverb and then uh, some Bible stories. And I thought that's awesome, you know, cause that's something that they're not going to get at least at the school that they go to. Um, and so you're right. Those moments are so important. Folks, if you've been enjoying this conversation, I want to urge you to head over to moodypublishers.com and grab a copy of Jamie's book, Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, Trust God, and Teach Your Child with Confidence. And the good news is it's 40% off right now, and there's never been a a better time to buy this book uh, because all of us are homeschooling just about. Um, And and so whether, yeah, it's just because you're homeschooling right now or you're considering doing it full time, or maybe you were currently homeschooling before this epidemic came along and and you just want some, some information and encouragement in doing that, I encourage you to grab this book. It's an incredibly popular book and it's a great book. I was looking for it recently and my wife said, oh yeah, it's on my nightstand. (laughs) I've been reading it and enjoying it. So again, head over to uh, moodypublishers.com to receive a 50% or sorry, 40% discount today. Uh, Jamie, uh, we do a little segment in this season called The Writing Life uh, where we ask uh, authors a little bit about their process and and their experience of being an author. Uh, This is my big question for you because it's the question that I face when I uh, try to write myself. Uh, it is difficult, especially with small children. You have five kids, and yet you managed to blog. You wrote this great book. What's your secret? <laughs> Control chaos. Um, actually, I kind of cheat a little bit. So I'm right in the season of writing another book. And as you know, with everyone here and all these different personalities, it is difficult because you know, I could easily dismiss that time of writing to put out a fire over here or a fire over there or, you know, all the many demands on my time. But I also have to recognize that this particular book is important too. And my time on it is important. So I actually have started um, scheduling focus time dates with another writer. I met her online. She's actually, for the most part, a total stranger to me, but she's a, a Christian author who writes middle grade fiction, which is far outside of my realm of writing. And we have decided upon a time every weekday for an hour where we will meet on Zoom. It's not a time where we collaborate. We don't even chit chat. We just kind of give a two second flyover like, hello, what are you working on today? And then we mute ourselves, but we're on video. So there's a little bit of accountability and we just sit and write for an hour. And when the hour is done, we set a timer and everything. We come back on, we unmute and just kind of give a a quick cliff notes of how we did. And then we agree to meet back the same time, same bat channel, same bat time the next day. And it's been so great because it's some accountability for me. And it also prioritizes my time. I I treat it like an appointment and my family does too. So just as I would have an appointment to talk to you over this podcast and they kind of see that coming and know that, you know, mom's busy right now, that's the way it is for this focus time meeting. And, And so I'm getting a ton of writing done. That is genius. That is great. Yeah, because you get the accountability, a little bit of community, right? Um, and and it's like a real appointment. That is yes. awesome. I may steal that myself. <laughs> 
Um, okay, last last segment. Yeah. And we're uh, not the we same kind is, of writers, oh, so there's no. Hmm. I was just going to say we're not the same kind of writer, yeah. so there's no sort of internal competition between the two of us because we don't write the same things. Right, that can actually be good, I think. Right, <laughs> yes, uh, and yet enough overlap that you you find uh, you know common uh, touch points. I'm sure uh, both being writers. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, and I've been asking every guest in this season, uh, because we're in this time where, you know, some of the country is still opening up, but a lot of us are locked down. Our regular routines have been disrupted. Um, what is the guilty pleasure? And it can really be anything that has helped you get through this challenging time. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a guilty pleasure, but one thing that has helped <laughs> all of my family, my husband is a, a designer, he's an advertising. And so when COVID and all of the quarantine began to, to come down, even in our area, we noticed a shift in our conversations at dinner because we weren't going any place. Our conversations began to grow very stagnant. We didn't have a whole lot to talk about because we weren't doing anything. And he didn't want that time to be so boring because it's a great time to connect with the kids. So he went and grabbed digital images of famous characters like Disney characters, Curious George, even even real life people that have sort of played a role in their life, like Mr. Rogers. And he grabbed images, pictures of them, and he put them on a piece of paper digitally. And he made like 12 sheets of 12. So, you know, if you do the math, there's that many characters. Every night at dinner, one child is tasked to pick one sheet of 12 characters and another child is tasked to think of a question for the family to answer in light of those characters. So it might be like, um, who would you like to spend your quarantine with and why? Or if you had to have a tooth pulled, who would you trust to do it and why? And so it's giving us something to talk about other than you know, quarantine and COVID. And it's really helping their cognitive skills because they're really having to think of some really well thought out answers. And these are characters that they've known and loved all through their childhood and are revisiting them in this little game. That's hilarious. I love it. I bet you get a lot of creative answers to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, um, Jamie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I can't believe our time's already up. Uh, that went really quickly. Uh, some great insights. I want to thank you for your absolutely vital work, not only as a homeschooler yourself, but for leading this movement and equipping and, and really catalyzing a generation of folks to educate their children and giving them the confidence to homeschool bravely and, and to know that the Lord will be with them uh, to help them and, and encourage them in that sacred duty. If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to urge you to head over, uh, leave a review for us on Apple or Google podcasts. Those really help us out. It helps other people discover the podcast. We're still a fairly new podcast. Uh, so do please leave a review if you think of it. Thank you again to Jamie and our listeners for, for being with us. Stay safe. Uh, and until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.